pull the Darrow. But um, a barbecue is pretty pointless without <laughs> without any gas running in it. Might look good, might like it's got all the right knobs and all the, the right plate and a look good hood and it looks all nice and clean, but it's not going to cook anything. And the reason I tell you that is because in life, Christianity, many times, you felt like the gas bottle has gone out in your Christianity. That in life, you, you're going through, but there's no heat coming, there's no pressure, there's no power coming, and you feel powerless, no strength. And I want to give you some good news this morning, is that God has given us power through the Holy Spirit to get through all of our situations. And, and just like a barbecue is pretty pointless without gas, a Christian is pretty useless without the power of the Holy Spirit. We're not going to get very far. We're going to look good, but there's not going to be much change in life. And God has given, God has all power, but God has given us all power as well. And I, uh, 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty seven is one of my favorite scriptures. It says, Praises be unto God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's one of the key phrases here. Gives us the victory. And God is able to give us victory in every area of life that He deems necessary. And He's still doing that today. I love Psalm 71 verse 18. He says, Now that I'm old and gray, do not abandon me, O Lord. Let me proclaim your power to this new generation, your mighty miracles to all who come after me. And so I'm going to do that this morning. I want to proclaim some of the power of God, to maybe to a newer generation, or maybe you've never heard about the power of God. And I pray that you understand His miracles and His power this morning. I'm going to a simple sermon I've entitled, God Fights for Us. How God Fights for Us. And once you realize this, this is the biggest blessing you will ever really understand about being a Christian. So let's read uh, uh, Exodus 14. This is, this is the Exodus, the, when the Israelites were leaving Egypt as slaves and going, and they're going to um, enter into the promised land. But this is before that. They've just left Egypt. Look at verse 1. The Bible says, Now the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, uh, that, they, uh, that they turn and camp before uh, Haharoth. I've been practicing that all day. I, I, it's, it's not going to happen. But Piha, Piha. All right. So Piha between Magdol, which is almost like McDonald's, and then the sea, which is now uh, Baal Zephron, which is like nearly like Zac Ephron. So we're sort of getting the names there. It says you shall camp by the sea. So God says, go to this place. I'm going to tell you to camp here. Verse ten. Then the then Pharaoh drew near. The children of Israel lifted their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. So they were very afraid, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. And they said, Moses, and they said to Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you dealt with us to bring us out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt, saying, Let us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. So Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians who you see today, they shall, you shall see again no more forever. The Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace. The Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward, but lift up your rod, stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground. Promise and story here. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. God, we're grateful for your word. I'm grateful for your spirit. I'm grateful that you are still all powerful, God. Uh, that there is no one who can compare to you, Lord. I'm praying, God, make your power available to us today, Lord. Let us march forward wherever you tell us to go, God, and let us have confidence and peace in the storms of life, God. Fight for those that are going through the battle, God. Give us strength, God, in our weakness. Give you all the glory for what you Everybody says with a shout. Amen. Our God fights for us. I want to look firstly at the fearful situation. 
And Christianity is a battle zone. I'm not sure if you've noticed that yet, but if you've been saved for five minutes, you'll realize that Christianity is a battle and war zone. And, and Paul gives us great insight here. He says to his, to, in Timothy, he tells Timothy, his son in the faith, his disciple, says in, in first 12, fight the good fight. So there's a fight going on. There's a war going on. Second Timothy 2, 3. You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. So he's warning, you're going to have to fight. You're going to have to be a soldier. There's going to be some battles. There's going to be some tough times that come. And that is not just to Timothy, but that is to all of us. We are all soldiers in God's army. In Philemon verse 2, it says, To the beloved Apphia and Archippus, our fellow soldier to the church in your house. So he goes, you guys are my fellow soldiers, you and your church, even the church that's inside your house. You are a soldier and you are fighting for us. You know, when, we, when you first get saved, when I do altar calls, you, you probably got saved. You realize that your sin was sending you to a devil's hell. And you knew that, that if, you, if without Christ, there is no hope in life. There is no eternal life. And you realize the goodness of God and the grace of God, the loving kindness of God. And the, repent, the offer of repentance was there and, and forgiveness was open. And you shut your hand and say, I want that forgiveness. I don't want to go to hell. I, I love God. And, and I could see how much God loves me. And he's going to be with me. And he's going to stick with me. And we'll put our hands up. And, and we're so grateful for that. But I should probably add in just at the end, and by the way, if you put your hand up, you're joining in God's army that you have to enroll and you will be a soldier to the day that you die. And I forgot to add those parts in because we forget that part. We love the salvation part. But as soon as you get saved, you are in God's army and you are now a soldier in God's army. And there is a fight and there is a battle going on. I teach this to the children in Sunday school. I'm not sure if they do it here, but they, they taught me this in, in Sunday school. Maybe you went to Sunday school. You might remember this song. So, I'm too young to march in the infantry, ride in the cavalry, shoot the artillery. I'm too young to fly over land and sea, but I am in the Lord's army. And they're like, yes, sir. And you're like, yeah, I'm in the Lord's army. And that's so cute as a child when they're singing. They're like, yes, sir. And they're flying and they're marching and that's fantastic and that's great. And then as we grow up, someone gets spiritually shot in the head and we're like, what the heck's going on? We told you in Sunday school, you're in the Lord's army and you're in a battle zone. And this is, the li- this is life for, forevermore. There is no, there is no roses and, and daffodils and, and grass and this is just going to be fantastic. There are peaceful times, but Christianity is a war zone that we must understand. And the issue at war and the issue in our lives, the, the devil's warring in our lives, is the element to put fear inside all of us. He wants to instill fear inside of you. And this word fear basically means an unpleasant emotion caused by the threat of danger, pain, and harm. And I don't need to go too deep into fear because you know exactly what I'm talking about. Everybody here has felt fear. And the devil wants us to be so filled with fear that we, before we even start the fight, we quit. Because there's so much fear inside of us, I don't want to do anything, and, and we stop. Have you ever seen a, a press conference for the UFC or boxing? And they're there talking to each other, and basically all they're doing is just abusing the other guy. And they say, I'm going to knock you out in the second round, probably in the first round. You might last 20 seconds. If you're lucky, I'm going to break your nose. Your mother's not going to recognize you. And they just go into all these things that, and you are easy. I'm not even training that hard. I'm going to knock you out. And they're just mocking and mocking. And the reason for that is to get in their head. And as a fighter, most of the fight is actually in their head. And if you can get into someone's head, you've won the battle before the fight has ever already even begun. And this is devil wants to do to you and I he wants to get in your head and so you've lost the battle before you even start so because you've lost in your in your mind fight because of fear like Goliath 40 days he comes out who's gonna fight who's gonna fight who's gonna fight 40 days no one did anything why because they lost before they even fought and they stood there and they didn't move and they, they didn't change and fear wants to get you stopped 
in your tracks. The, one of the, the names of the devil is the accuser of the brethren. To accuse, and they, he accuses us. And the devil loves to accuse you and play with your mind. He says things like, you will never be good enough. You've always been a failure. You always will be a failure. He says, the reason your life is like this is because of you. Your family's like this because of you. And that person's because of you. Have you ever had the devil accuse you of, <laughs> of the other people's behavior? They did that because of who you are. <laughs> it's like, I don't think so. But the devil puts that in your mind. You'll never get out of this situation. And, and he plays. This situation will never change. And he puts this. And, and sometimes we believe. And just like Eve, we believe him. And we give him to the fight. And the battle's lost before it even starts. Maybe you're facing a situation today and you're filled with fear. Good news is they're going to remove that fear in just a few moments. So understand this. The calling of God does not come without a contest from the devil. Remember this. The calling of God doesn't come without a contest from the devil. And some people believe if you get attacked, it's because you're doing something wrong. And that's not always the case. But sometimes it is the case. It's just, you know, I'm just getting attacked. I'm persecuted because I'm a Christian. No, you're just rude. Like, you understand? Like, it's just from Bible right? So, not everything that bad happens is, is, is always because you've done something. Sometimes it is, but sometimes it's just because you are pursuing the calling of God. And in pursuit of the calling of God, you're going to go down some roads that are pretty, pretty hard. They're, they're, they're bumpy. Some of it feels, like a, it feels like a mountain. It feels very... And calling doesn't come without a contest. Calling isn't is it cruise control. Calling is a fight. In our text, the children of Israel are doing exactly what God said. In verse 1 and 2, you see, the Lord spoke to Moses, tell the children of Israel, go to these places. And he went to those places. And, but there's a problem. He's in the will of God, but there is a problem. He's right next to the water. So they're leaving Egypt. They, they get, they're going to, the, to, the, um, to the, the promised land, and they get to water, and there's all this water here, and there's nowhere for them to go. They're stuck. There's no way out. They're trapped. And this is true in life. Even when you obey God, there are times you will feel cornered. Times you will feel under the pump. And you are in the will of God. You're actually exactly where God told you to be. And you, it, it is, you're in a sticky situation. And this is when many people turn backs of God. God, I've been faithful, and now all these problems ar- arise. But maybe you are exactly where God told you to be. So there are times in life where you feel like the children of Israel, you're cornered. You look one way, there's, um, there's the ocean, and the other way is Egypt. There's nowhere to go. You're stuck. The, the place where they are, um, I'll put it on the screen, Piha. They said these, it's a place where they say the reeds grow or there's long grass grows. In other words, the place is sticky. You can't move. Anybody ever played sport in a field, but the field hasn't been mowed in a long time? And you, you, you can't run as fast because it's long grass and, and it pull, pulls you down. You get bogged down. And this is what they're going through. Maybe you're going through this. You're a situation, you're trying to get out, but you feel bogged down. Every time you take a step, the other foot goes sink, sinks deeper into the mud. Anybody got bogged before? You can rev the car as much as you want. You're not going anywhere. And you're just going in circles. And, and we feel life is going in circles. And there's no escape. And we're stuck. And you might be in a sticky situation again. And you're exactly where God's told you to be. Not through any fault of your own. And then, how about this? In our text, it gets worse. Ever been in a sticky situation and the situation got worse? <laughs> it's like, you know, there's one thing to, to, you know, to be stuck in a situation. There's another thing for the children, of, for Egypt to come and want to kill you. 
that now it's getting pretty serious. Verse 6, and he made his chariot ready. This is um, uh, Pharaoh, and he took his people with him. Also, 600 choice chariots and all the chariots of Egypt and captains over all of them. So they've got nowhere to go, and now Egypt starts to chase them. And I love this, because he says, he made his chariot ready. He took 600 choice chariots, like, uh, there we go, there's a Kiwi in the Bible. There were choice chariots, and then, and then all the chariots. Like, why do you have to say 600 choice? Because it's like, the best 600 and the rest of them. Everything. Every chariot in all of Egypt was out to attack the children of Israel. So what I'm talking about this morning, church, is crisis moments. Where there's no escape. Every direction. There's a sea. And then there's the attack of the enemy. There's either death or slavery. Or death by drowning. And there's nowhere to go. You can't even put up a fight. So how do you react in these situations? And that's the key, where God wants to get your attention. In those situations, what do you do? And if you're like any normal person, we freak out, right? (laughs) Number one, uh, I'm in trouble here. Verse 11, look what they said. And they said to Moses, because there were no graves in Egypt, man, like these guys are straight away. There's no graves in Egypt. That's why you're taking us to die in the wilderness. Why have you dealt with us to bring us out of Egypt? Look how many times they say Egypt. Remember, Egypt's the old life. Bring us out of Egypt. Is this not the word which we told you in Egypt, saying, let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? If it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians? Like, I think they're trying to say something. They say it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians. Now, the Egyptians were hard slave masters. They were brutal. And they said it was better for us to go back there. How many people they decide it's better to backslide than to fight for God? It's better. It's better that I'm just a sinner. It's better that way. But they how much of a ta- harder taskmaster the devil is. How much he ruins people's lives. Some scholars say that the, Egypt, the children of Israel only lived to around 30 years old because they'd get beaten so hard they wouldn't survive past 30. And yet they're saying, man, my past is so much better. How many times do we glamorize our, our past before we got saved? Like, man, before I got saved, I was doing really good. <laughs> people think that. I was this, and I got this, and I got picked for this, and my job was this, and this was this. And in our mind, you're in, in La La Land, you have this dream that it was like this, but it looked nothing like that. But we idolize our old life. Man, I, at the nightclubs, I was the best dancer, and I was, but you were mud. And you had all these issues and all these problems, but we glamorize our old life. And if only do what the old life says, then it's all good. So remember, they just got delivered from the ten plagues of Egypt, number one. All the plagues of Egypt, not one of them touched the children of Israel. Not one. The the death of the firstborn, darkness, frogs, locusts, boils. Not one of them touched the children of Israel. Then the Egyptians said, can we take all your money? 400 years of back pay. And they said, yes. Like that's They've been set free from 400 years of slavery. They have one problem. I want to go back. Uh, Wouldn't you want to call on God? But I tell you what's the easiest thing to do when we get in these situations is blame other people. Moses, it's your fault. It's your fault, Moses. Moses just delivered them out of Egypt. It's your fault, Moses. Isn't it true that sometimes we turn on people that have tried to help us? And this is just human nature. So this is fearful situations. Maybe you're one of these this morning. Let's look secondly at the fighting Savior. And even though the children of Israel forgot about God's power, I'm so glad that Moses didn't. Look at verse 13. And Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. 
Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. For He will accomplish for you this day. For the Egyptians who you see today, they shall, you shall see again no more forever. The Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace. The children of Israel have forgotten one small thing and that small thing is the power of God. And that God can still deliver and God is a miracle working God like we sang this morning. He is still a way maker but they forgot about the way that nothing is impossible in verse 21 and Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night and made the sea into dry land and all the waters were divided and this is such one of the greatest stories of the whole Bible he stretched out his, his staff and the sea opens up before him and if there's one th- miracle I want to see when we get to heaven I want to see this like how did that actually happen? Imagine all this wind happening and all the sea going everywhere. And I'm just putting myself in that situation. If I was Moses, I'd be looking at the guys like, you're still complaining? Any issues? Anyone, anyone want to go back to Egypt now? No, actually, you go to Egypt. I'm going to walk like, thank God I'm not Moses because I'll be hating on the guys straight away. It's like, stop complaining. But God made a way when there, still need, there was no way. And God still does that today. Can you say amen? Church, I'd, despite what you're going through, despite the circumstance, despite the strength of the enemy or how sticky your situation is, we still serve a God who can make a way through the desert. God can make a way through the ocean. God can make a way through the fire. God can make a way through family or friends or finances. Whatever issue you're going through, whatever attack of the enemy, we still have power. Jesus said, I have given you all authority. He's given us all dominion to trample on servants and scorpions and anything that the devil throws our way, we can overcome. We have the dominion here on earth and there's nothing that we need to fear. We know that God fights for us. They say that this ocean could have been two kilometers deep. And some of you, you're in some deep poo-poo right now, but God can open that up and God can get you through and make you walk on dry land. land. He is still harder, better, faster, stronger than He's ever been. And it's not just Kanye who can sing about that. It is God who can say that. This is who I am. I can overcome every enemy attack. I can overcome everything that comes against you because we have the Holy Spirit inside of us and we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus, our Lord, our God fights for us. And we don't have to fear when the devil comes. And so many times we're so scared when the devil comes. And this is the reason why. Because the devil wants to get your eyes. And if the devil can get your eyes, he can get your heart. And we saw in our text that the Pharaoh drew near. And they lifted up their eyes and they were afraid. And many of you today, the reason you're afraid is because you're looking at Egypt. You're looking at situations. And even though we are guaranteed victory, the devil, if the devil gets your eyes, he has stolen your victory. He's taken that away. You think God took the children of Israel out of Egypt just to kill them in the wilderness? That's insanity. You think God saved you just to bury you now? That's insanity. Of course not. But the devil wants your focus. He wants your focus on the giants and the problems instead of the power of God. We know the story of Joshua and Caleb and the other 10 spies. There's 12. These are the best leaders. And they go into the land of Canaan. This is the promised land. And, And God says, go into the... Go into the land that I am giving you. God said, I'm giving you this land. Go see how you're going to take it. And they go and have a look, but they're looking at the giants and looking at the walls and looking at all the problems there. And they come back and say, we can't do it. So that, that we, that there's no possible way that we can overcome this. It's called the promised land for crying out loud. The promised land. And God can't lie. And God is promising this land, but they refuse to enter. Why? Because of fear and what they saw. And they totally forgot about God. Do you know, I, I, I thought about this. and 
So Caleb and Moses, uh, and, jo- and Joshua, Joshua and Caleb, God said, I'm not going to allow anyone who doubted to enter into the promised land. So they wait around for 40 years waiting for everyone to die. Can you imagine if you were Caleb or, or Joshua? 40 years, you're walking, wasting your life. You had faith that they didn't, and you have to wait for everyone else to die. Now, that's a great life. That's like, that's living it up at its best. And you'd think he'd be pretty cut and bitter at the end of his life. Imagine you cop 40 years for, someone, for what someone else had done. This is a big, big problem. And look what he says at the end of his life, Joshua 14, 10, 11. This is Caleb talking. And now behold, the Lord has kept me alive, as he said, these 45 years. <laughs> like, I could sort of read into the sarcasm here. Ever since the Lord spoke his word to Moses while Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now, here I am to this day, 85 years old. He's 85 years old, and look what he says. And yet, I am as strong, as the day, uh, strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me. Just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war, both going out and for coming in. He says, I am still strong. And how is he still strong? It's because he has the power of God inside of him. Church, you can't measure your problems by your eyes. Because in your eyes, every problem is impossible. You need to view it by God's power. Measure your problems by God's power. We serve a mighty God and he's able to bring victory in every situation. Joshua 14, 12. This is the next verse. This is Caleb, 85 years old. Now, therefore, they're splitting up the promised land. He goes, give me the mountain, which he gives, give me the hard place of the promised land, of which the Lord spoke in that day. For you heard in that day how Anakim, or the sons of Anak, you would have read there, and that's this is the giants were there, that the cities are great and fortified. So he goes, give me the hardest spot. Give me the toughest situation. I'm really old now, but give me the mountain. Give me the giants. Give me the walls and fortified cities. It may be that the Lord will be with me, and I shall be able to drive them out, as the Lord said. I love Caleb. 45 years of desert wandering, and he says, still, give me the hardest part, because I know God fights for me. And if God fights for me, no one could be against me. He's still eager to fight. He's still eager to press on. And church, I encourage you, no matter what you're facing, if you will know that God fights for you, no matter what you face, you will know that you can still press on, and you can still fight forward, and you can still move forward, and you don't have to fall back, and you don't have to, have to lay low for the enemy. Second Chronicles, Verse 12, it says, Oh, our God, will you not judge them? This guy's in trouble here. We have no power against the great multitude that is coming against us. Ever felt like that? Everyone's against you. Nor do we know what to do. Ever felt like that? <laughs> I feel like that a lot. But our eyes are upon you. I love that. God, I don't know what to do. But I look to you. I look to you, God. God, there's a situation I want changed, but I can't change it. But you can. And I look to you. Never, ever forget that God fights for you. Never forget. Verse 14, the Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace. You know, you have peace when God fights for you. And the Bible's full of stories of how God fought for men and women. And he hasn't changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So why would, why would he change now? The most famous one we understand is David and Goliath. David could not defeat Goliath in his strength. And he didn't attack David. He had no, uh, David didn't attack Goliath. He had no sword. He had no spear. He had no shield. He had no armor. He had a rock. But it wasn't just a rock in his pocket. He had the rock of ages. And he had God on his side. 
And he goes, I come to you, not, not with this or with, with arrows and all this stuff, but what I come to you is in the name of the Lord of hosts, which is the Lord of the armies of Israel. He goes, you might come with a, with a sword, that's cute. I come with the, with the general of the army of heaven. And he is fighting with me. He is on my side and he's going to deliver me. And God brought a great victory because he understood my God fights for me. You understand in Gideon in Judges 7, he's got like 32,000 people. They're going to go defeat the enemy. And God says, you know what? Actually, you're not going to take that many people. Uh, anyone who's scared or fearful, tell them they can go home. He goes, anyone fearful, you can go home and 22,000 leave. <laughs> I love that because Gideon would be like, oh, snap. I didn't expect 22,000 to leave. I expected like 100 or something. And 22,000 leave immediately. And he's like, oh, how are we going to defeat the army now? Most of our army left. And God says, no, you're, till, you're still too strong. And they go and he goes, the way they get water from the, from the lake and those ones stay, some leave. And I think it's like 10,000 more go. That's not a def- definite number, but I think around there. And he only has 300 men left. Imagine going from, th- our church went from 30,000 to 300. Everyone would be depressed, right? Imagine if our church went from 300 to three. Everyone's depressed. Yet not Gideon. And they win and they defeat the army with 300 men. Because our strength is not in how many numbers we have or who we are. Our strength is in the Lord God Almighty. And God will still deliver no matter what situation you're going through. Our God fights for us. The four lepers, my favorite Bible story in 2 Kings 7. They're leprous men. Their flesh is being eaten away. Yet they go and they defeat the army. How? Because God multiplies their steps and they make it sound like horsemen and chariots and a great strong army and they defeat the army. So listen, church, you might be a spiritual leper right here tonight. I've got no strength. I'm completely worn out. I have nothing left to give. I'm wounded. I'm injured. I have nothing. If you just stay the course, you understand that God will fight for you because God doesn't forget his children. He doesn't forget. I remember when Isaiah was first born a few times, I went to the car. I was like, oh, yeah, Isaiah. And go grab Isaiah. You forget sometimes. You forget, oh, yeah, we've got an extra one now. But God never forgets. We might forget our friends. We might forget people. People might forget what you're going through. But God doesn't forget. And God always fights for us. You say amen. Isn't this good news? There should be a lot more amens this morning. Romans 8.31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? I don't care who's against us. Who can, who can it be? Yeah, but they're pretty powerful. Yeah, but did you see what they said on social media? Or do you know what God said? I couldn't give a stuff with it. That's why I got rid of it, because I don't want to see what they said. Because it doesn't matter what they said. Oh, but do you know what they've been up to? No, but do you know what God's been up to? <laughs> He's doing some pretty powerful things. And you will have peace when God fights for you. We all have our 2 a.m. moments. I don't know what I'm talking about. You know those moments at 2 o'clock in the morning where all of the world's problems are suddenly placed on your shoulders and you have to solve those problems. You know what I'm talking about? Anyone else have that? We all have them. I have them too. I have them as well. I have the needs of the church, finances of the church, how, how people, issues, and, and I have those 2 a.m. moments too. And I've gotten to the, to the conclusion that I, I can't do it, so I might as well just go to sleep. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and usually the problem is somehow better in the morning. Anyone agree with Like, in the morning, somehow the problem is just, it's not as bad might not have changed but it's a heck of a lot worse at 2 a.m and i have to tell myself dan it's just because it's two in the morning just go to sleep and in the morning it'll be okay because i think in the morning i realize that god's mercy is renewed and god's going to help me and god's going to get me through and many times telling you i am freaking out i am stressed beyond stress and then i remember oh god's going to help me oh yeah that's right okay i'm good now say pastor isn't that a bit of an easy way out yeah it is 
That's why I'm giving it to you. What do you need? What else do you need? Do you need more than God? What else do you need? What else do we have? What else can we hold on to except Christ, our hope? And he will get us through. So let's close with the faithful saint. So we've looked at our problem. We've looked at God. Now let's look at us. Two things we need to do when you're going through hell. Number one is make sure and be careful that you'll faithfully give God the glory for when he delivers you out of your situation. It is something you must always remember that our life goal is to give glory to God. Psalm 115 verse 1. Not to us, Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory. You know what? Sometimes God delivers people, actually a lot, this happens a lot. God delivers people, gives them power to overcome. They get this great miracle and then we thank God for a day, a week, a month, a year, 10 years and then we stop. But we should never stop thanking God for what he's done for us, ever. The children of Israel, they've been delivered from so much. They get delivered to the Red Sea. They get fed food every single day. They get given clothes that don't wear out and they still complain. How many, we've all been there, right? God's delivered us from so much. Yeah, but what about this area? This area is not perfect. And we stop giving God the glory. But church, we should be worshiping God and thanking God for who he is and what he's done. And remember all the great things God's done for you. If I said to you, what has God done for you? If you don't have like 10 things that you can straight away, then I think you've missed it. I think you've missed it completely. And then you get to, well, what has God done for me? And those are the people I, I slap in the name of the Lord. Because God has done so much for us. Exodus 15, 1 and 2, they, they sing a song. And Moses and the children of Israel sang the song to the Lord and spoke, saying, I will sing to the Lord. For he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and the rider has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song, and he's become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise him. My Father's God, I will exalt him. Let that, 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 that song be on our lips every single day. The song goes, my praise will ever, your praise will ever be on my lips, O God. And let that be always on our lips, praising God for what he's done. If God saved one member of your whole family, one, you should be thanking God every single day. Because I know people that haven't got anyone in their family saved. If God saved one of your friends, you should be forever grateful that God has saved one of your friends. Because I know people who have no friends that are saved. If God answered one of your prayers, you should be forever grateful. If God's healed you of anything ever, there's a million things we can be grateful for. And let us always glorify God and make Him shine. That's what glorify means, to to make it seen or to light up or to shine. We need to shine the name of Jesus a whole lot more. Because when you, how many of you have gone through a tough time, then you heard a testimony of someone else that got delivered. You're like, hey, if God could do it for them, God could do it for me too. But when we stay quiet, we don't know the, the stories. And, and the Bible says, tell them to your children and tell them to other people. Let them know what I've done. Make memorials. And he's not making physical memorials, but in your mind and in your heart and in your prayer life, thank God for the mighty things that he's done. And so for when you had an impossible situation and God delivered you and God blessed you, always be grateful forever. Be faithful in your gratitude and in glorying of the King. And the second thing we need to be faithful in is to keep moving forward. Someone said, if you're going through hell, don't stop. I like that. Because people go through hell and they stop and they stay in hell. Like, keep going. You'll get out. God doesn't go backwards. He's a God of forwards. He's a God of increase. And he expects us to keep moving forward. Verse 15, the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? And I sort of like that little joke by God here. Um, because there's an ocean. Like, why do you cry to me? Like, uh, there's a small issue, little issue. Just tell the children of Israel to go forward. 
But it's interesting here. Even when you face your problems, keep moving forward. Facing a problem is not an excuse to pull back. A problem is not an excuse. We don't go back. We don't backslide. We don't refuse. We don't slow down. We keep moving forward in the power of God Almighty. And this is what we need. God does the miracle. You say, Pastor, why do I need to keep moving forward? Why keep going? Let me tell you that, <laughs> that there will be a day no more tears. And no more pain, and no more sorrow, no more problems. And I know situations are very hard. Sorry, I know situations are very hard right now for some people. But just keep moving forward. I don't know why. Why am I doing this for? I'm all right. I'm good. But we'll find the fullness of joy in God. There will be a day that we'll be with Christ forever. And these old problems will just be a, just be a memory. They won't even, we won't even remember them. Paul says this light affliction is nothing compared to the weight of glory. And I know, I know people go through tough times. But keep moving forward because we're going to get to heaven soon. And it's going to be worth it. The pain and the heartbreak. And, and I, I know it's hard. I'm not preaching this to, to condemn anyone. I'm preaching this because I, I feel your pain. But I'm preaching this so you can keep moving. And, and don't stop. Because God fights for us. Jesus said, in this world you will have tribulation. Yes, but, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. And we can have peace knowing that we're going to make it through. We're going to fight. We're going to see another day. God's with us. And if he's with us, he's going to defend us. And if God defends us, we're undefeated. And no matter what the devil throws, our way will get through. I'll close with this song. I'm not singing it, so it's okay. You don't have to run out of the building. But one of my favorite songs was God Will Make a Way. I love this song. It says, God will make a way where there seems to be no way. He works in ways we cannot see. And he will make a way for me. And he will be my guide. Hold me closely to his side. With love and strength for each new day. He will make a way. He will make a way. And like we sang, he's a way maker. And I don't see the way many times. I don't. I legit, I don't see the way. But God sees the way. I would have never thought, go run. Go, let's, God, can you just open up the ocean? I never would have thought that. God makes in ways. He opens up doors that we never thought could be opened. And the Bible says, even when the waters rise, be overcome. When the, when the fire comes, you will not be burnt. You, we will not fall, but we are more than conquerors. Our God fights for us. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Let's pray.